Welcome back. I'm Brian, and this is my Bible study podcast, From Hevel to Eternity. So the Bible's one unified story, pointing to Jesus as the fulfillment of God's plan to redeem humanity. But within that context, the Bible also has different classifications of literature, prophetic messages, apocalyptic depictions, narrative stories, and wisdom literature to provide guidance for our everyday relationships. The book of Proverbs is traditionally consumed as McNuggets. People know or read individual Proverbs instead of full chapters. Each proverb within Proverbs is almost treated as a standalone billboard. For instance, trust in Yahweh with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Proverbs 3.5 Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22.6 Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens a friend's countenance. Proverbs 27.17 As water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects the man. Proverbs 27.19 Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Proverbs 30.5 And while it is true that the book of Proverbs does contain individual Proverbs, They are not intended to be completely independent verses. Often they are assembled into collections dealing with specific areas. If you've not already, then I highly recommend listening to our last podcast episode, an introduction to reading the book of Proverbs. Today we're going to explore the wisdom of relationships. Proverbs chapter 18 specifically offers wisdom for dealing with the community, clashes, and conflict that we experience in our everyday relationships. I pray that this episode helps us to see the unity and cohesiveness of the book of Proverbs. And I pray that as we see the wisdom from God outlined for us, that we can also see better the person who is the wisdom of God made flesh and crucified for us. I pray that we can lean closer to Jesus through our studies through this chapter. Last episode, we talked about how the book of Proverbs contains wisdom from God relayed via a couple different people, King Solomon, unknown wise men, King Agur, King Lemuel, and Lemuel's mother. Today's passage, chapter 18, it's part of the Proverbs that are attributed directly to King Solomon. Not that it makes a difference to us, the reader, because all have equal biblical value as God's true word, but just kind of an FYI. As we read through each of the sections of this chapter, ask yourself a couple different questions. What words or phrases really jump out at you? How do these verses provide wisdom for my relationship with others? And then lastly, how do these verses provide wisdom for my relationship with God? We'll try to work through them. Hopefully we can start to see a common thread throughout them. Hopefully we can also see better those major thematic elements that we talked about last episode, that the book of Proverbs pushes us to seek wisdom, to fear God, to avoid becoming the fool, and to look toward Jesus. An unfriendly man pursues selfishness and defies all sound judgment. A fool has no delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own opinion. When wickedness comes, contempt also comes, and with shame comes disgrace. 
The words of a man's mouth are like deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is like a flowing brook. To be partial to the faces of the wicked is not good, nor to deprive the innocent of justice. A fool's lips come into strife, and his mouth invites beatings. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words of a gossip are like dainty morsels. They go down into a person's innermost parts. Proverbs chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. So what jumps out at us? The word fool jumps right off the page a number of times here. And each time that we get the word fool, we get a person talking. Verse 2, a fool doesn't delight in understanding, but in revealing his own opinion. Verse 7 basically says that a fool talks too much, walks right into a fight, and then ends up getting beaten down for it. Verse 8 is no better. It literally says, a fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are a snare to his soul. So in order to avoid being a fool here, we have to avoid compulsively talking just to hear ourselves talk without listening first. How do these verses provide wisdom for my relationship with others? Well, starting right in verse 1, it warns against isolation. The ESV translates verse 1, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. This is why we're called to have strong community with others, to engage at a deep level with other believers, and yes, to be an interactive member of a church body. I think that one thing quarantine has taught all of us is that relationships matter. Personal interactions matter, community matters, and that where there is no spiritual community, we can experience spiritual disconnects. I'm not arguing the necessity of quarantining and the need for public safety. I'm only pointing out that I have talked to a number of people whose spiritual health and discipline have waned as they became more and more disconnected from their biblical communities. And Proverbs 18.1 says that no matter how we have to maintain the relationships, community is important because it promotes sound judgment. The idea of the fool who talks but doesn't listen, it really plays into relationships also. Because if you're in a community but you refuse to grow from that community, then it's pointless. You're not going to gain any wisdom or knowledge if you're the only one that wants to talk. Then lastly, there's verse 8, which I have personally seen destroy communities. The words of a gossip are like dainty morsels. They go down into a person's innermost parts. So gossip and slander are like candy. They taste kind of sweet at first, maybe even a little treat, an indulgence. But then they become a habit, and then they just wreak havoc on the health of a person and a community. This ties directly to the selfish words of the fool. Because the Hebrew word that gets translated as dainty morsels here, it literally means to swallow greedily. Gossip is based in greed and selfish desires. Gossip unchecked and unconfronted causes rot and decay inside a person and within their relationships. But beyond personal relationships, how do these verses provide a personal relationship and provide wisdom for that relationship with God? Well, for starters, as a Christian, my relationship with God has to be based in an understanding that wisdom comes from God and not from me. My relationship with God is not based on me giving God advice. It is based on me being the recipient of grace and mercy and wisdom and knowledge. I'm on the receiving end of that. Even Jesus prayed, Father, not my will, but yours be done. That's the polar opposite of what is described here as the fool who utters only his personal opinions and who tries to instill his will into everybody else's lives. 
So these first eight verses, they really describe relational wisdom against foolish words and selfish reactions. Here we get a call to seek knowledge and wisdom and justice and discernment that enhances our relationships with others and with God. One who is slack in his work is brother to him who is a master of destruction. The name of Yahweh is a strong tower. The righteous run to him and are safe. The rich man's wealth is his strong city, like an unscalable wall in his own imagination. Before destruction, the heart of man is proud, but before honor is humility. He who gives answer before he hears, that is folly and shame to him. A man's spirit will sustain him in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. Proverbs 18, verses 9 through 14. So we still have this breakdown of displaying relational wisdom over a fool's selfishness. But in these verses, I think the focus is less on words and more on what causes those words. We get the push and pull of pride against humility. What jumps out? Barriers and boundary type words jump right off the page to me. In these verses, there is a sort of choice between two strongholds. The first is a false stronghold, the stronghold of pride and prosperity, and it leads to destruction. The rich man's wealth is his strong city like an unscalable wall in his own imagination. Before destruction, the heart of man is proud. So this false stronghold, it doesn't sustain our spirit. Hevel is maybe a good word here. And then verse 14 ends, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? The alternative stronghold is pressing into God. The name of Yahweh is a strong tower. The righteous run to him and are safe. So the one running to God here has to display humility, because before honor is humility. Like this stronghold is the stronghold that lasts and it uplifts a man's spirit. And as it says, a man's spirit will sustain him in sickness. So how do these verses provide wisdom for my relationship with others? Well, if the first section addressed how someone's foolish words can affect relationships negatively, this section underlines how prideful actions and idols can also wreck relationships. Some of the prideful actions that are mentioned in the section include worshipping at the idol of wealth and prosperity and social status. Another one that is directly addressed is being lazy. Verse 9 says that a lazy worker is related to a master of destruction, which really isn't a good family tree to be a part of. Failing to listen before speaking comes back up here too. He who gives answer before he hears, that is folly and shame to him. And don't be deceived. Believing you can respond without hearing, that is a prideful trait. Now, how do these verses provide wisdom for my relationship with God? Well, I need to come before others in humility, but I also need to come before God in humility. We need to reflect to God and to the world the same humility that Jesus displayed to us. One of my favorite passages in the entire New Testament is Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Have this in your mind, which is also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, 
yes, the death of the cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave to him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So humility over pride. Because after all, that's what Jesus, our Lord, modeled for us. The heart of the discerning gets knowledge. The ear of the wise seeks knowledge. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. He who pleads his cause first seems right until another comes and questions him. The lot settles disputes and keeps strong ones apart. A brother offended is more difficult than a fortified city, and disputes are like the bars of a castle. Proverbs 18, verses 15 through 19. This section's really about interpersonal interactions. So we talked about words and actions and boundaries. Now let's talk about rules that govern our interactions, that dictate how we talk to each other and how we go about resolving those conflicts. Listen to the passage again through the lens of conflict resolution. The heart of the discerning gets knowledge. The ear of the wise seeks knowledge. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. He who pleads his cause first seems right until another comes and questions him. The lot settles disputes and keeps strong ones apart. A brother offended is more difficult than a fortified city, and disputes are like the bars of a castle. So what jumps out here, having heard it two times? For me, there's actually two things that jump out. One of the things that jumps out to me is the stronghold language again. A brother offended is more difficult than a fortified city. Disputes are like the bars of a castle. No, this isn't talking about boundaries that get put up preemptively. But this is talking about strongholds and boundaries that get stood up out of hurt and conflict. So after somebody's been offended, after we've said foolish words, after we've not listened to people, after we've just jumped in and engaged without thinking things through. The other thing that jumps out for me here, it's making an attempt at patience and understanding. The heart of the discerning gets knowledge. The ear of the wise seeks knowledge. It even says basically that the guy who pleads his case first seems like he's right until somebody comes along and questions him until you get the whole story or you want deeper information. So how do these verses provide wisdom to my relationship with others? This question is where those two things that jumped out at me, they really intersect. When it comes to relationships, if we refuse to patiently listen, to seek discernment, and then to gain knowledge, what do we usually do? We usually react in ways that set up the wrong boundaries. Instead of setting up healthy boundaries that promote communication, that promote conflict resolution, and that grow community, we create unhealthy barriers. We create these fortified cities where no interaction can happen at all between people. There's just no civil dialogue. Instead of creating unity in our community, we create conflict. Then how do these verses provide wisdom for my relationship with God? Well, from a guidance level, it does strike a tone of unity. We are called to be united like God the Father and God the Son are united. Read John 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer that he prayed right before his arrest and his execution. It rings of unity within the body of believers. 
but it's not a unity that props us up as the church. No, Jesus is talking about a unity that transcends beyond the church. In John 17, 21, Jesus says that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So our relationship with God and with each other, it's not just meant to save us from wrath and destruction. It's meant to be a display to the world so that the world may believe that God the Father sent God the Son to save all of those who believe. A man's stomach is filled with the fruit of his mouth. With the harvest of his lips he is satisfied. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Whoever finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of Yahweh. The poor plead for mercy and the rich answer harshly. A man of many companions may be ruined, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 18 verses 20 through 24. What jumps out? Well, there seems to be this turn toward godly type language that you might hear maybe in one of Paul's letters pressing us toward holiness. The fruit of the mouth, the harvest of his lips, the power of the tongue, those who love it will eat its fruit. We get words like mercy and the favor of Yahweh. Another thing that jumps out to me sort of melds with the relationships question we've been talking through, and it really stands out if you're reading different translations. It's the last verse of the chapter, verse 24. Here are some different translations of verse 24. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. NLT. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. NIV. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. ESV. One with many friends may be harmed, but there's a friend who stays closer than a brother. Christian Standard Bible. A person of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The NASB 20. So for the first half of the verse, some translations seem to indicate that the friends can destroy each other through conflict, while the wordings of other translations really dives into the idea that having too many friends of creating superficial or fake relationships that you can't maintain. The issue comes up with a Hebrew word that is kind of hard to translate. So I lean toward the concept and the wording that if you make too many friends, or your friends are made too easily, or if you become fake in order to make friends, or if you just want to be popular and collect friends, that it can lead you down a path toward destruction. That kind of falls under the prideful path that we've been talking through. And most of the translations lean this way also. The second half of the verse can kind of have this dual meaning depending on how you're reading through it. From a standpoint of having a relationship with others, it's saying that a genuine friendship fosters an environment where they are with you through the highs and the lows, through the thick and the thin, if you will. The second interpretation that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother is kind of jumps toward this relationship with Jesus. After all, John 15 verses 12 through 15 see Jesus himself declare, This is my commandment, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. Greater love has no other than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you, 
No longer do I call you servant, for the servant doesn't know what his Lord does. But I have called you friends, for everything that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. So how do these verses provide wisdom for my relationship with God? Well, throughout the Bible, we read that good fruit only comes from God. That through faith in Jesus and his completed work on the cross, we receive the favor of God, a right relationship with God. And that in Jesus, we have a friend who is closer than a brother who laid down his life for us. Words, choices, relationships, and the favor of God. It almost sums up the entire chapter. A chapter that speaks insight into how to discern wisely, avoid foolish conflicts, diffuse situations, gain knowledge, and grow in our fear of the Lord. This chapter, just like the entire book of Proverbs, pushes us to seek wisdom, to fear God, to avoid becoming the fool, and to look toward Jesus. Within that context, this chapter focuses on relationships and the importance of healthy relationships with people and with God. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself, right? It starts with a proverb warning against isolation, and it ends with a proverb calling us to pay attention to our worldly friendships while remembering the personal relationship we have been granted with our Heavenly Father through Jesus. How we interact is determined by where our heart comes from. And the way we interact is through our words and our relationships. The chapter leaves us asking two questions. What are you going to pursue? Foolish words or wise discernment? Prideful behaviors or humble submission? Seeking your own selfish ambitions or seeking God alone as your stronghold? The second question then asks, where are you turning to seek wisdom from? The wisdom of man and our own judgments? Or Jesus, who as 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, was made to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. So thanks for listening. Unless otherwise noted, all Bible verses are from the World English Bible Translation. If things sounded kind of funny, it is full-on allergy season here and... It's hitting me a little hard, so apologies if things sounded a little funny or words were mispronounced interestingly. Until next time, though, I love y'all.